Today's guest hails from France, then Miami, and now beautiful, sunny Los Angeles, California. He brings a blend of indie rock, grunge, and hip-hop-inspired music, and all of that is proven in his new single, Hello. Please welcome today's guest, Shades of Blue. That was beautiful. Everything was right? That was right? good, yeah. I really like your... Um your 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 voice when you're saying that. I like, go I make it as melodic as yeah, I can. It's like a children's book. It was good. So I didn't know you were from France originally. Mm. Yeah. Um I was born in France and then moved to Miami when I was like seven with my parents. Unreal. So do you remember yeah. France pretty well? Kind of. I mean France France was I mean like it was a little kid. You know, yeah. I don't really really remember that much, but have you been back cool. since? I would go every summer. Oh, shit. Yeah, after like when I moved here. But when I grew up there, I actually don't remember that much. Crazy. Yeah. And what had you guys moved to Miami? We moved to Miami because, well, my dad is like, he doesn't really speak English that well. And Miami was just like the, the place where like, you know, everyone speaks Spanish. So like, it was just easier to get a job. And Where did the Spanish you know? come in? Well, he's from Chile. Okay. Yeah. Damn. So, multicultural. Yeah. Fuck. <laughs> a little bit. A little bit. That's yeah. unreal. Yeah. So he went from Chile, Chile, to yeah. uh, France yeah. to Miami, and then is that where he still is? He. Yeah. He. My. Both my parents live in Miami, and then my little brother too. And it's actually really funny how my dad like got to the U.S. Like he he came here illegally. Like he was working on a on a like a, a ship cooking, you know, and um. He, I think he got off in like Miami and he decided to like stay there for a little bit. And then he got actually got caught. So they were like deporting him. Holy shit. And uh, when he got on the plane, like they were, uh, I don't know, like the whoever ICE like is deporting the, mm, you yeah. know, whoever, like back to their country. When he got on the plane, it was actually the wrong plane. Like they put him on a plane to Argentina and he was supposed to go to Chile. And so he like showed the ticket to, to the stewardess and he was like, this is the wrong plane. And they were like, okay, we'll get you off the, the, the flight. And he just never left. Really? Yeah. So he stayed in Miami. And then after that, he met my mom. Holy shit. Mm -hmm. Damn, that's some luck of the draw stuff right there. It is very lucky. That is unbelievable. Yeah, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for that. So they put him on the right plane. Wow. Yeah. I once got on the wrong plane. Very different circumstances. I have bad eyes. Mm -hmm. And the stewardess put me on the wrong plane because I couldn't see my ticket. Really? My glasses were broken. I was 14. Was and, that before um, 2001? No. Okay. That's the crazy part yeah. is it was like the like security was still fucking wild as it is now. And they put me on the wrong plane. Luckily going to the same place, but I got in like 45 minutes early. Damn. It's very weird. That is weird. They need to get their shit together. They do need to get their <laughs> shit together. That's crazy. So are your parents musical? Um, honestly, not too much. My mom was in like... My mom's really cool. My mom was in like a a punk band in the '90s, and she was like a drummer, and Badass. yeah, like in in France, and yeah, she was really cool with it. But like, I didn't really grow up that musical. Um, my dad liked to pretend like he played guitar and like he would yeah. sing songs to my mom, <laughs> and that's how she like fell for him. But like, he wasn't very good, you know. But like, but like, it was it was around me, you know. It was there. So what had you start picking up a guitar or start singing? Um, you do play guitar, right? Yeah. I play a little bit of guitar, a little bit of piano, a little bit of like ukulele. I don't like to call myself an instrumentalist because like I'm surrounded by people that are so fucking good at 
yeah, but playing it's, guitar or piano the or you spectrum is massive, but yeah. it's still being able to play instruments. Yeah, yeah. But I, I look at them and I'm like, I can't call myself a guitarist. You know I, I, mean? I definitely get yeah. that. Going to the jams at your place, you yeah. see some people and you're like, that's it, that's what a real drummer looks like. That's yeah, what a absolutely. real guitar player looks like. Absolutely. Whoever that guitar player that played with you is fucking nasty. Daz. He's sick. He's a sick person too. He's really cool. Yeah, he, he and he just fucking rips like he's just the first time I saw him, he came to the jam and I was like, I need to play with this guy. Like That's he's so, so good. Sick. So yeah. you met him at a jam at your house. Yeah. And then he ended up playing with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's crazy. He uh he tours with Holden. Miller, I think. And that's how like Dylan and Alex, the bassist, and mm-hmm. Des, like they all tour. They're part of his band too. Oh, sick. So yeah, that's how they all met. And I think they're just like tight homies. Is that who Dylan is Buzz? Dylan Buzz Gold. Dylan yeah. Buzz Gold. He's like one of my best friends and he's also, he produces everything. Shout out Dylan. Isn't he, is he on tour right now? He's going to actually, yeah, he's going to open up for Fall Boy. That's crazy. With car. Yeah. And I know Royals. Opening up right now too. Yeah, no, she's killing it. What a fucking crazy good, yeah. world. Yeah. Do you know that that whole crew, the Beauty School Dropout, the Royal Mister? Um, I know Cole and Bardo of Beauty School Dropout. Um, Royal, I don't know that much. We we did her birthday party at my house. No but crazy. I didn't really like talk to her. Like she's yeah. f- more friends with like Amanda and you know. Mm. Um, but yeah, they said yeah, it's pretty cool. Is there a lighter over there? Wunderbar. Thank you. Thank you. Smoke a cigarette. You want a cigarette? Sorry, Fuck mom and yeah. dad. They don't like it. Huh? My parents don't like it. Understandably. Yeah. Okay. Thank you, sir. So, were you always going the route of like your your music? Remind it's obviously it's very indie, yeah. but it has like a really solid punk background on it and a yeah. really solid hip hop background. What was kind of the impetus to that? Where where did you start? Um, here, I'll put this right here. Uh, so, I was <coughs> a little fuck in high school. Like, I would skip class, and, like, I didn't know to play guitar, but I was in guitar class, and I would, like... Oh, okay. Okay, cheers. Um, I was in guitar class, and I would just never do anything. I would always fuck around. Like whatever the assignments were, I would just like, I just didn't care about it at all. And then uh, when I dropped out, I dropped out of high school. So when I dropped out of high school, I actually like started caring more about um, guitar. What age? I I was 16. Okay. So that's freshman year or sophomore year? Junior year. Wow, I got my ages wrong. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, but um, it was junior year. Picked up a guitar and just started like playing and like writing songs. But when I like that, that's when I started writing songs to an actual like melody and like chords and stuff. But before that, I would listen to like Joey Badass mm. when I was like 14. Fuck yeah. And like it was 1999. Like that album inspired me so much to write. Mm. And like he inspired me to write poetry and like start meditating and like look within myself because like his what he was rapping about was like being meditative and yeah. like, you know. It's just in like a hard exterior. Yeah, and also, you know, his struggles and all that, but, um, the like, his choice of words were so intellectual to me. So mm-hmm. I, I just, like, I would write pages 
of like raps and I would be like trying to make the most complex words like rhyme with each other. Crazy. Like it was just like really like if I, I when I read them back, I'm like, this is so stupid. But, but it, it's it made me start writing basically. That's just so important. And yeah. I think people forget. I think the 10,000 hour things is so important. And I don't think it's the end all be all. I think once you hit 10,000 hours, that's just the okay to hit the next 10,000. Mm. But people forget that writing from the perspective of not knowing what you're doing is part of that. That's right. building. And and I think like, I think a lot of people it takes a hundred songs to be able to write their first good one. Yeah. And that's either going to start when you're thinking about it or when you're not, you know, yeah. when it's natural, like when you were a kid. Yeah. When did you write the first song where you were excited to show people? Yeah. I mean, I was always like, like full of it like I always thought that like my show was sick but it was not ever really good so I was always like oh you should check out my song check out my song and I'd show my friends and stuff but it was like it wasn't it was just like exciting to make music you know and to show people and to be like oh man like look I'm I'm, make, I'm making music you know this is so cool or whatever but um it was never like that good in my own opinion but um I think it took up until like two years ago is when I started making music that I felt like was good and like was honest. Cause the whole time that I was making music before that was for other people. It was like the idea of um, like, how do I make a mainstream hit? Or yeah. how do I make something that like the masses are gonna like? Or how do I make something? And then once I started actually um, making music that was from the heart and I had to like, put down all those barriers you know you set up all these barriers within your mind that you're like yeah. I don't want to be vulnerable I don't want to like show everyone what I'm going through and and was that who who did you not want to show was it more your friend you didn't want your friends to see or was it stuff that you wanted to talk about that you don't want your parents to know it was more some also myself mm. you know like when you're writing music I think it's hard to come from like an honest place sometimes you know, like it, it's it's almost like you have to be very honest with yourself to make something that's like relatable, you know. And then I guess when you're putting something into a song like that, it kind of confirms the ideas that are in your head. It, it makes the thoughts that you know and you've had for a while, but it makes them real. Yeah. For, for good and for bad. Because yeah. that can be fucking terrifying. And obviously, retrospect is the killer of all bullshit. You know, yeah. at the end of the day, you can look back and understand how it's helpful. Yeah. But when you're going through it, pressing, you know, upload to distro kit or whatever the fuck you're using yeah that moment is fucking terrifying yeah it is scary but i think it's just one of those games of like you have to just convince yourself just fucking go for it and then shut your eyes and walk away whatever it means yeah you have to have like this like blind confidence in a way like you just Absolutely. have to be like whatever let's or do at it least pretend until you do yeah yeah you definitely yeah and you also like the hardest part for me with music is like the marketing part. You know, it's where you're like online, you're like, look at me, you know, like I'm making music, like check this out or, you know, yeah. and when it doesn't succeed immediately, it's like, it's really, um, like it's really disheartening in a way, you know, cause you, you want it to work immediately. You want it to like pop off immediately. You yeah. know, you're like, yeah, the expectations but, are, normally it's not that they're they're outweighed by what you actually get but it's that i think the expectations are easier to see in a shorter frame of time yeah so it's easier to feel like like you can know you're gonna make it but 
you release that song and 20 minutes later, you're like, wait, why is everybody not hitting me up? Yeah. <laughs> why don't they know what I just did? Yeah. And for me, that's been a bit, the hardest part for me is like this, this feeling of like, I have to be able to put it out and then say next. Yeah. And luckily starting this podcast has helped because I don't have a choice. Every yeah. week I have to have my episode out, no matter how stupid I sounded in it, yeah. no matter how drunk I got or how high I got, it's right. coming out. It's a routine and it's, it's good. It, it keeps you like going. Absolutely. Yeah. But yet I still have trouble doing it with music. Yeah. And it's just kind of that built-in mentality that I think we all have where it's it's so exciting to make it. But then, and the confidence is there while making it. And then right when it's time to show people, you're like, wait, did I EQ that kick drum right? Oh, shit, are they going to be able to tell that I accidentally said uh, and and? Yeah. Like that, yeah. nobody fucking gives a shit either. Yeah. No one no one pays attention to that stuff. Like you're, you're your worst critic all the time. You know? We forget too that most of our music isn't, people aren't sitting there listening to it listening to the music they're they're having it be the background to whatever their life is at that moment and they're going to take it however they will anyways you know you could be talking about it could be a sad song about how you had a breakup and somebody's gonna go oh wow this makes me want to go on a fucking run yeah or whatever the fuck it is like it's people are going to take it how they will anyways yeah you ever get really energized off of like heartbreaking depressing like like just will rip your heart out songs you know yeah you gotta use use what you have as fuel yeah it's it's all has the ability it's just i guess how you how you look at it at that moment because i have songs that are sad some days and happy the others yeah that's weird what's your favorite sad song my favorite sad song <clears throat> i think blackbird by the beatles is probably really yeah sick that that's that was one. like the first sad song where i could feel you know, like the dissonance in there and and, mm. and the tough the tough moments that are kind of built into it yeah. came out when I was younger. Yeah. But I was surrounded by the Beatles too. So that was just kind of what was what was around me at the time. What nice. about you? Um I would say right now it's probably like Sufjan Stevens, Elliot Smith. Oh, like I, I could listen to Angelus and just be like, fuck yeah. You know, drive, just drive around feel the city. so good, like for some reason, you know. Yeah, well, it's because it, most sad songs. To be able to write about a sad song means that you've at least have enough life experience to to use it. Yeah. You know, it's no longer just a negative. It's yeah. it's got solace built in. Yeah. What point did you realize you wanted to start releasing music? Um, I think it was after COVID. Because, like, before COVID, I was always like, yeah, I want to be a musician. Yeah, I want to, like, you know, make this my living. But I never took it really seriously, and I always procrastinated, and I never, like, took the steps to actually do what's necessary to succeed in it, Hmm. you know? And after COVID, I was like, all right, you need to stop fucking around. If this is actually what you want to do, like, put all of yourself into it. No matter if it's like embarrassing, no matter if it's not the best, no matter if it's like, you know, you're going to grow with your art and um, just might as well just do it and see what happens. And I think at the end of the day, the most important people to show your music to are the people that already love you. Yeah. And you seem to have a really tight group of people too yeah, who support all. you. Yeah. Like hearing that only 15% of the people at that 120 person show yeah. at your house knew who you were. Yeah. And I guarantee half of them are going to want to come back if not all of them. Yeah, it's a fun it's a fun little party, you know. Dude, it's like it's like a really really good way it's there takes certain people 
in whatever community you're in to be kind of the lighthouse for everybody. Because yeah. it's, especially our in industry, it's a room full of self-conscious people who are either really good at pretending they're not yeah. or really bad at it. Yeah. Like me sitting in the corner at all your things. Like I'm so excited <laughs> to be there, but I, I have trouble being around a fuck ton of people. Dude, and I always love seeing you there. I'm like... But you're... And I was just telling my girlfriend about this. You're the kind of person that every time I'm standing there and there's like that moment, right away, you pop off, give me a hug, ask how I'm doing. Yeah. And like, that's 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 it though. That's yeah. why you're able to have that many people show up and feel comfortable is because you've kind of built this lighthouse yeah. for all the creatives to kind of wander to. Yeah, I definitely want people to feel comfortable. And like, you know, I love making people laugh. Like that's... Whenever I can make someone laugh i'm just like nice like, yeah it's like a good feeling you know it's and, the best yeah and uh the jam is such a cool thing man i'm so happy it's a thing that's happening um it's just really nice to have like this community of musicians that come together and like mess around and like and then you have the singers that come too and like you have these like strangers that are like playing songs and mm. the singer's like can you play this song and they have to like yeah. figure it out on the spot and they're like it's like stimulating you know it's, it's it's and it's also it's like you can't fuck up yeah like there's people who come and jump on the drum set who don't know how to drum and that's the point is yeah, it's like giving exactly. the space for people to either continue being inspired or to gain inspiration yeah or to just feel comfortable enjoying themselves absolutely how how did that start what was kind of the reason you started doing those jams um, it's not just me. It was um, my other roommate, Amanda. Um, she actually, I think she was the one that, that started the whole thing. It was her idea because she wanted to like have that community. And I think we did it. The first one was for her birthday. And so we had like maybe 20 people in the backyard. And it was like Kyle was there, this guy named Lucas, who's like a pianist. Um, and just like a few other musicians and it was like a very intimate setting and it was, it was yeah. such great vibes. We ended up in like the bathroom, like playing the fray on the speakers and like everyone jump in and like singing oh, the fray, yeah. at the, like like in the bathroom. Like, so it was an indoor so, one. No, no, it was outside. But I mean, for some reason, everyone ended up in the bathroom because like we that's were all crazy. drunk and just like hanging out. And just, oh, you know, that's just, so fun. It was really fun. Um, and then we were like, we kind of want to make it bigger. So then we invited more people and like... Um, we just like we got to do this like make it a monthly thing and yeah. you know man that's unreal it's such an important thing to have and i feel like if you look back every era had their version of of the place that the community meets at yeah you know it's like the laurel canyon days yeah is now just split up into a few different other places yeah man it'd be cool to have like another revival like that you know like laurel canyon but i think it's one of those things that you don't know until it's over yeah you know like i guarantee all of them felt the exact same way that we are now where there's no difference as far as the stature of people yeah like there's people showing up to your your house that are getting off tours that people wish they were on and there's people who aren't there but will be shortly you know like you have the rounds of people yeah. it's happening but i feel like if you can ever tell something's happening in the middle of it it's probably not happening yeah yeah, yeah, that's true. I um, I love I love it because like it, like my favorite era is like that era in like the mid two thousands, like early two thousands when it was like the Strokes. Oh yeah, and, like LCD sound system. Yeah, it was like the fun. alt rock and the indie scenes. Yeah, that were big. We and, were just talking about that too. Yeah. And it's like that's you all said like the Mumford and Sons who made it, who brought a, a fucking mandolin to number one pop radio hell yeah like it's such yeah. a, a wild time and i feel like that's coming back though because like 
at your house, there's dudes who, if if you took a black and white photo and showed me, and I'd be like, oh yeah, that's from easily from the '60s. Like, yeah. There's just people that just fit the part, and then there's the grunge scene there, and yeah. there's the indie. It's just it's like, like a really cool blend, you know? Yeah, there's a really cool blend of people there. It's just like all all different kinds of musicians, like they play all different kinds of genres, and that's what's it's awesome. So fun. It's so sick. And what was what is your process? when it comes to making music do you enjoy going and sitting by yourself to write or are you the kind of person that likes to sit in the room with some other writers um i've never written with other writers before i think it'd be interesting to do that i've always just been like i need to have a simple loop like at this like a simple loop at first and like i can write over that really easily um, I'll just have the melodies come up first, and then after that, like I have to think what I want the song to be about. Interesting, you know. And then after that, I'm like, a lot of my songs are a mixture of like reality and like fiction. You know, it's almost like a I, I see it as like being a director in a movie, you mm. know, and also like the screenwriter, you know. So you have to like create this thing that's like you know, it might it might take a piece of my life, and then create something that's a little bit bigger than that yeah. and like fit the storyline build know, the novel like, off of the 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 actual like moment in time that you're writing about mm-hmm. but it, it, it uh, exaggerate it yeah exaggerate it a little bit yeah. it's so cool yeah. and i think there's something to be said about having the first little group of your music be just you yeah because then it reminds you whatever room you go in that you know that you know you have what it takes yeah you know and that's sick and then eventually you're going to be able to get in the room with i mean half the people at your party are probably great at what they do yeah they're all fucking sick but i yeah i mean the goal the goal for me at the end of the day is just like as as long as i feel like i resonate with it you know like Mm. if i if i really resonate with what i'm writing i'm like this is this is good enough to release you know and sometimes it's not always like it's not always what i want it to be you know but sometimes like it comes a point where you're like all right like this is this is it. And then you have to know where to stop because you're just going to keep adding. From the same people who brought back your balls and made your bush bearable brings you the Beard Hedger. There's one thing about travel that I hate more than anything in the world, and that is bringing 20 different little clip guards just to get the right shave. Not anymore. Manscaped has your back. The Beard Hedger has 20 built-in clipping lengths, so you do not have to worry about losing them anymore. Not only that, but this thing is waterproof. It's cordless and it has a long lasting battery. So you don't have to worry about this thing shutting off halfway through and looking like a dork for the rest of your day. Fellas, do me a favor. Stop going to your dates with clean, smooth balls and a gross looking face. You need them to match. If you want to support me in this podcast, the best thing that you can do is support the sponsors. They help me keep going and make this something that I can continue to do. So do me a favor, head to manscaped.com, use the code experiment and get 20% off and free shipping. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code experiment and manscaped.com. Go get your beard hedger with 20 different clip lengths. Ding and editing and editing and editing, you know, where did you get that ability to kind of break when necessary? Cause that's, I'd say probably the thing that I see the most from this podcast is that that's the biggest uh, hurdle that people have to jump over is understanding that something's allowed to be done. Um, I think that um, that's a really good question. 
I think it's just like when you're making a song, the longer you wait on it, like the the it's lost its place in time, you know? That's huge. Like you for me, it's like I don't want to spend more than a few months on a song. Cause then it's like at that point I've experienced other things. Yeah. It might influence where the ori- like the original purpose of that song was at. You know, like I want it to be as honest and as like in the moment as possible. So I try to like finish it as fast as possible. And That's like so interesting. Hello was finished in two sessions. Wow. Like basically almost the whole song was finished in one in one session. And then the next session we finished the bridge. That's insane. And what was that process like when writing Hello? Was it just you and Dylan? Dylan? Yeah. He's fucking sick. I love him so much. Yeah. He's, he's so good, dude. He's so good. Um, but he like made this riff, like the and then immediately I was like, um, I think I went like uh you know yeah you know and i was like oh shit that's sick and it's just like immediately like you know it's just like that do you think part of that has to do with just the comfortability that you guys already had in the room together yeah he's like my best friend too you know so that's it's huge. easy i'm very insecure honestly if i'm like Me too i'm so insecure so like when i'm working with someone new it's like really difficult for me to open up and like mm. Because, like, I, you know, if I'm experimenting with a song, I'm going to be pitchy probably. And I'm, like, really scared of being pitchy in front of someone who's, yeah. like, a producer and has worked with a lot of really great singers. And, like, I learned how to sing, like, three years ago. Wow. Like, I, mean, I, I really put in the work to sing, you know? Was it that that you didn't think you could sing before or just you hadn't, you hadn't really tried it? I just didn't. Like, I was always so tense. And, like, I didn't know the proper way to sing. You know what I mean? It's like there's a proper way to sing. Absolutely. And it's like what inspired me the most was also Anthony Kiedis's uh, Scar Tissue. Mm. You know, like I don't know if you know about the history of Red Hot Shape Peppers, but like in the 1980s, like, like that's when the band started. Yeah. And their first three albums, like Anthony Kiedis was like, <laughs> over like really funky, hardcore, like, you know, oh, songs. Like that rappy sort of shit. Yeah, exactly. And then he was like, um, I'm going to learn how to sing. So then he started like taking singing classes and like that's how he wrote like Under the Bridge and like, you know, wow. started taking singing classes. And when I read that, I was like, oh shit, anyone can sing? And I was like, okay, well, I put in the work and I'm still putting in the work. Like I'm not exactly where I want to be, but I feel yeah. like I can get better. And I feel like the more you practice your craft, the more you try singing, the better you're going to be and the, it, it expands your music. Yeah. I mean, that's crazy though to hear because there's people who you're like, I understand that you can sing enough to give the song its due diligence. But then there's other people like what you're saying, like you have a great tone too, which is like almost the confusing part (laughs) because you shouldn't have a great tone if you just started three years ago. Yeah. That's, Um, I mean, the the amount of practice you're putting in must be just fucking ridiculous. It's a, the, I mean, I don't know. I think the tone is probably like from smoking cigarettes too. <laughs> <You know? laughs> like like so a lot of rasp, patios? you know, you know, a lot of rasp. And it's like just trying really hard. Yeah. You know? It doesn't um, come off like that though. That's the thing. That's that's the kind of romantic part about it. And that's what I heard a lot at the show. Yeah. Is some people are trying so hard that they can't be in the moment. Mm. And I think part of what this is is remembering that the work comes in before you're at the show. 
So at yeah. the show, you can just let loose and understand that your body is going to do what it does. Yeah. But that's and so interesting that you you have that much control. I I fucking I appreciate the compliment. <laughs> that feels good. Like because <laughs> you don't understand. Like I've been so insecure about that. My like ever since I started making music, it was always like it was always very difficult for me. Crazy. And um, yeah, for anyone that wants to you know learn how to sing or be be a musician and be a singer, like anyone can learn. And I always tell people that like you can learn how to sing. You can be a better singer. You just have to put in the work and you just have to like really pay attention and really let go. And yeah. a, a lot of it is letting go, I think. And like, I'm very like controlling and like constricted and tense a lot. Yeah. So like it's letting go, you know. And like when I got on stage that time, I was really tense and I was really nervous. But then as soon as I started singing... I like completely forgot about anything else. Like I was just like there in that moment. It was like I was high. Yeah. You know, it's like you just like you go there instantly. Instantly. That's so interesting. And it's I guess it's just one of those things. Everybody who goes on stage and comes off and goes, I was nervous. Yeah. You the other people, the people that were watching it couldn't see it most yeah. of the time. Yeah. And that's just such a, a wild part of this industry where I don't think that nervousness ever goes away. I think it you just get more used to it. Yeah. I think so too. I agree with that a lot. I think like I think it's going to be interesting, like, once you get in an arena, you know, yeah. and it's 20,000 people. Well, that's when it's, like, the only thing you got is your in-ears. Yeah. And at that point, you just got to trust that you know what you're doing enough and be okay with the fact that it's human still. Because, yeah. like, I've never – I saw a Fallout Boy in uh, an arena 15 years ago, and the amount of times they fucked up were the same amount of times that it felt amazing, really? if that makes sense. Like, it was the human aspect. Yeah. You could, I think that's why I love EDM, grew up on EDM, big fan. I love EDM too. I think too. the reason it's not hitting the mainstream in the same way that it was is because people want to see you fuck up. They want to yeah. see you real. Yeah. They want to see you get off stage sweating. Yeah. You know, they want to see you, they want to see those 10,000 hours as a, this conglomerate sort of memory that's built into this show. Oh, absolutely. And that, I, I was a little worried about AI at first, you yeah. know, with the, like they sound really good. Yeah. But then I'm like, mm, I think part of it, part of what makes music great is the fuck-ups. Yeah, you know? 100%. Like, and what you were, going back to where you were saying, you were talking about how, like, when you're making a song, you might listen back and be like, and, you know, I, may, I didn't say it correctly, yeah. but, like, that's part of the magic. Absolutely, you know, I like, agree. When, when there's, like, a little thing in there that's like, reminds people that you're a human being, you well, know, that's real. And we forget that our lineage comes from tape. Yeah, where you couldn't, you know, like you can maybe scrub a couple words and that's yeah. it. And most of it is people in one room, and you have fucking sound bouncing off walls that it shouldn't, and you have the bass player falling out of pocket for a second. Yeah, and all those moments make the song. Yeah, that becomes the magic. That becomes yeah. the romantic energy that's kind of built into it. Dude, you saying that reminds me of like the Beatles documentary. Have you seen? Oh, multiple times. The one where they're like in a room and they're all like making. I don't, I don't know what album. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was their last album. I, why am I blanking on the name of it? But yeah, it was the the last filming when they're coming with their wives or their girlfriends and yeah. kids. Yeah. And you see them fight and you see them play their last performance on the roof. And yeah. I mean, I didn't see it. I've seen clips of it. Watch it. It's I fucking saw, amazing. I saw, I think it was Paul McCartney, um, like just making Get Back. 
Yeah. That's what I saw. Dude. And I was like, that is fucking crazy. Like he Paul McCartney was so fucking good. It's so good. He was dude. the ringleader. Oh, amazing. And he was intense and caring and and like had the things that I think you need to I think when you when you get in a room and you have multiple people who are talented, the hardest part to, of talented people is getting them to work together. Yeah. And that's what I think he did is he he was loud enough that everybody listened to him for long enough to at least kind yeah. of fall back into the groove. Yeah. Did you uh did you read Outliers? Mm. No. No, I need to though. That's uh that's where the 10,000 hours thing comes from. Uh, well, oh, no, he, well he references it a lot. Yeah. Yeah, he references the 10,000 hours a lot. I need to get on my reading game better. Dude, it's a really good book and he talks about the Beatles and he talks about how the Beatles became the Beatles. Cuz like when they when they first formed, they were going all around like England yeah. and playing different pubs and like every I, I don't know if it was every day. I'm I yeah, messing that up, but it was no. But lot. they were playing. They were playing multiple shows a day. Mm, yeah, and so they were just like getting refined. Yeah, like as a band, which is really hard to do. Like as a band, because it's it's not just yourself. You're not in your room practicing guitar or piano. And back you know? then, I heard this this thing. I don't remember who was saying it. Maybe it was their old producer. But it was like when you wanted to learn an uh, an E sharp chord. Yeah, and you didn't have the internet, and there was, it wasn't in the one book that you had. Yeah, you had to go around town finding people who knew the chord yeah. to teach you how to play it. That's crazy. It's a different time, man. A different time, and and back then you had to want it in a way that I don't think people understand now. Yeah, but also I think that scale that was it always stays balanced somehow. Yeah. Now you have the friction of having the whole world up against you. Yeah. And everybody can hear what you're doing pretty fucking fast. Everyone can see everything. So I think. Yeah. I mean, I just had this talk with uh, some friends that I have on the podcast every once in a while. Do you think that there's still legacy artists? Do you think they're still able to be made in the environment that we have now? There's still what? Do you think that that's still like the Beatles, like Michael right. Jackson, like that sort of legacy artist? Do you think that's still a relevant term for what we're creating in this world? Mm. I don't know. That's a good question. I feel like... I feel like maybe no. Right? Wait, can I have more tequila? Oh, have as much tequila as you want. <laughs> yeah, it's right down here. I'm gonna black out. Fuck yeah. Hell oh, yeah, dude. Um legacy artists, I don't know. I mean, I would hate to say this, but like maybe Drake. I, I completely agree. Yeah. So um my side of it was that I think there hundred percent is, and I think anytime you're in it it's harder to see like what we were saying before about the the community right now and what it's going to be looked at as, you know, yeah. in 20, 30 years, Taylor Swift selling more tickets than any of the legacy artists that we remember. True. Drake selling more tickets than any of the legacy artists that we remember, yeah. let alone BTS and, and yeah. all these other groups. I think that we're in this place where people feel that the ceiling is so much closer than it used to be because we know what the ceiling looks like now. But here's this. What do you like? Do you think they were legacy artists just because, like, at the time, musicians were relatively new? You know what I mean? Like, the 1950s, 1960s, like, you had, you know, yeah. like, you know what I mean? Like, it wasn't around very long. It was, like, 30, 20 years, and then, like, the 70s. It was, it was just, definitely newer. Yeah. My take on it is, I think a lot of what we know is the original legacy artists were built off of war. Mm. And back then, the only way to listen to music was vinyl or the radio. Mm. And both of those situations are communal. 
now we have AirPods, we have this, we have that. So who might be your favorite artist that you're listening to 10 times a day is no longer your parents and your grandparents. It was also a time where you lived with every generation. Right. So if everybody's in the same place and you have 20 channels to pick out of rather than millions and millions of artists every day, then you're going to hear somebody more. Yeah. And and I think that's part of what it is. And it was also it was a more patriotic time. Yeah. So when you're in Vietnam and you're writing fuck Vietnam or you're writing yeah. about pro Vietnam or whatever it is, that's going to have that's going to hold a space differently than music does now. Right. Now we're not it, we're no longer in a famine mentality, a survival mentality. Right. Maybe we should be sometimes. The world's getting a little crazy, but yeah. it's different. And I think that's part of the reason that artists back then were looked at a little differently is it was it was your whole life was built around the same thing as your parents and your grandparents and and everybody kind of had this shared interest right when now your favorite artist who might have 30 million monthly listeners i might not know of right and that that's, that's never really happened. interesting right sometimes I, i'll look at an artist and i'm like damn how have i never heard of this person and this many people know him that's you know or her that's part of the reason that the one thing i don't take into account when doing this podcast is numbers because numbers are only momentary yeah and i truly believe that i'm having people on this because i believe in them and because i love them and because i want to talk to them or i'm interested in them for whatever the reason and and no matter where you are right now things change so quickly that tomorrow you could be the biggest you should be you could be the biggest artist in the world yeah you know i don't think that people's idea of what success is is necessarily accurate right now mm. and i think that's the only difference but i think again in retrospect when our whole generation has kids or or is in that place who are you playing at home yeah. that's what your kids are going to think of as the the generational people right if for you it's fucking whoever it is Where whoever you you're at? listening to right now gustafelstein whatever his name oh, is oh i love gustafelstein he's great um, i love radiohead it's like who's so, your top five top five also, can I have a lighter? yeah so Mine's a little weird. Mine's number one is Edward Sharp from Magnetic Zeros. Mm. By far, the biggest inspiration for me, the biggest impact in my life. Because I've never heard of them. I do you know the song Home? Oh, we go home. Oh, home. okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was them. That was like their big hit. Okay, but they were huge for me. Um, them, the Beatles, uh, the Doors. Okay, nice. Jack Johnson. Jack Johnson. Huge. Dude. huge. I'm on his one percent for the past eight years. Wow, of, of monthly listeners. Which, That's really wholesome, bro. Yeah, I don't know if it's <laughs> uh, really something wholesome. to tell everybody, but here we are. Hey, I used to listen to Jack Johnson all the time, every single day on Apple Music. That's like that's a dream podcast. Yeah. I want to ask him about the Curious George song. Oh, I also want to ask you, who do you want to have the most on this podcast? Like, who's your number one right now? Or like, you know, I have people that I think would be really cool. Like, I'd love to talk to John Mayer. I'd love oh, to talk to yeah. to Alex Ebert from Edward Sharp or to um, Jack Johnson. But to be honest, I as excited as I am to be able to talk to those people, I don't know if it's going to feel any different than this. This mm. like, I think the high for me is an hour of talking to somebody that I enjoy yeah. without a phone. Yeah, you know that's that's it. That's all I need. Yeah. And I think it is going to be really cool to be able to know that people of that stature believe that I'm worth their time yeah. as far as my art. But I think that's all it's going to be. Yeah. Um, so I, I have people that I, I think would be cool to talk to because they have, they, they've held the background of many parts of my life. Mm. 
this. You know, this is a podcast that I've been excited to do because every time I see you, I feel welcomed and I feel loved and I feel excited to be there. It's very sweet. Um, So I I can't say that any of those would feel any better than this. You know, like I like them all. I really, I love what I do. And I guess that's part of what I try to stress on here is find something that makes you feel fulfilled no matter who's who, who you're doing it with. Yeah. That's it. I love this podcast, by the way. Like, Thank you. I fucking I think it's so sick that you're doing this. This is awesome, man. I I appreciate that yeah. immensely, and it's sick. It's been a weird change for me because I grew up where, since I was three, I was the guy who played drums. That's all I did. Mm. I played in a room by myself till I was 18 years old, a fucking eight by eight foot room, and that that was who everybody knew me as is the kid who played during whatever during this during that. That's I was going to be on tour and do all these things, and for the first time in my life. All of that seems so mundane mm. because it doesn't, none of that feels as exciting as this. Mm. And, and I guess hearing, hearing that people enjoy it is really nice for the, obviously for the reason of, I want this to be useful. And really I'm making this so people have a guidebook yeah. to be able to continue their careers and understand that everybody, no matter who it is, no matter what stature you're at has their days and they're still fucking human. Yeah, I mean, you're giving people a voice, man. It's awesome. Thank you. You know? I, I just like talking to people. Yeah. I really that's do. That's sick. What are you most excited for in the next year? What do you What do you see coming and what are you excited to see coming? Um, well, my goal for this year is to, like, is to stop working in a restaurant. You know? Um, so by the end of the year, I'd like to, that to happen. And then next year, what I'd really love to happen is to maybe go to, like, Costa Rica for a month. Mm. and just write music let me know yeah. pack my bags yeah, I'm let's ready. go let's go surfing yeah but that sounds amazing I, I think for me recently it's been really hard to i mean it hasn't really been that hard but it's been hard to make music that is like i just want to make a full-length project where everything is like cohesive like i want to like each album to me feels like it should be a story and like mm. when you're listening to it it's like this whole thing until like, i feel like it's it's made possible when you're in a space for a certain amount of time and you're able to like just focus on that. Cause I can't fully focus on music. Like it's not fully my pr- profession, you know? And that's what I want it to be. And yeah. like once, once that happens, I feel like I can really like dive, like just submerge myself. Just from being in that situation before COVID was the first time, the first year in my life where I could make 100% of my my income based off of music and then COVID came around and fucked that all up as it mm-hmm. did for people a lot worse than me um, or in a lot worse way than me. And the one thing that I learned from that is when I had all the free time that I ever hoped to, to make music is when I felt the most lost. Mm. Cause I think that the issue with having all your time to just make music when it's not built into tours and other things that you have to do that become mm. the job. Yeah then you have too much time to sit in it. Mm. And the only thing that I would say is I think that it's worth trying to make the small amount of time that you have open right now the only time you need to do this. Yeah, Because I think when you have pressure from both sides, aka the job, mm. having to make a living, having having people that depend on you at work, whatever it is, the pressure is what makes the diamond. Right. And when you when all that pressure goes away, that's when when you don't feel like 
you need to make the diamond as quickly. Mm. If that makes sense. Like you get, you get complacent. I, I did. Yeah. And again, that's me and that's not everybody. And there's a lot of people who've had that, that change and made it the necessary moment. Yeah. But I think if, if you wait to have the dreams come true, when you have the time to make them happen, they probably, you, you won't be as inspired to make them happen. Cause mm. you don't have the fuel to put, to push on them in the same way. I disagree. Mm, I please. disagree. I think, um, like, I'm so excited for that to happen. Yeah. Because I have, like, I have, like, a very, I just have a vision for it, you know? Like, I want the visuals of, for the music to align with the music. And I, like, I, I want it to be a story. And I want it to be, like, you're put into this whole world. And I feel very limited by my place in life right now, mm. you know, financially. Like, I can't afford to spend you know, $2,000, $3,000 on a music video or $10,000 yeah. on a music video or like a marketing you know, and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. I mean, I can't afford that. And like, if I had all the tools at my disposal, I, I would just dive into it because like, I really fucking love it, you know, and I really want to like, just, and I mean, I, I like, I get, you know, the, the perspective of like, if you're in music and that's all you do and like, you're just doing music all the time and it's like, you're not going to have anything to write about. But like, to me, everything is a story, you know, like there, you pull from so much, you know, like from books, from art, from literature, from like things that happen in your past and like things that happen in your friends' lives. And like, you know, it's like, it doesn't always have to be about you. You know, it's like, there's so much to talk about and there's so much to say and there's so much to like make, you know? And I just want the freedom to do that. And like, it's, yeah. No, I basically. think that's amazing. And I think yeah. that's why I have this yeah. is to, to see the other perspective that I don't always have. Yeah. And, you know, as much as obviously I make this because I want other people to gain from it, this is for me. That's mm. how it started. And these moments are what I live for because I don't think that any of this industry works from one person's perspective. Yeah. And I don't think it can. And I don't think everybody who watches this is going to always jive with what I'm saying. And I hope yeah. they don't. I yeah. hope they have their fucking differing thoughts and they put friction on it. Yeah. Just like that. I think that's, that's kind of what this is. And for me, if I don't have enough to do that, I'm forced to do, I get complacent. Yeah. And that's something that I'm working on big time. Yeah. But the fact that you don't get there and you, it just gives you more time to, to read and to do these other things that you can find your inspiration. I think that's, that's, uh, special. Yeah. And it's something that hopefully will give you everything you need in order to, to, to show what you make to enough people. Yeah. Cause I think that's all it is. It's, there's a threshold of talent, which clearly you've passed. And then there's from there, it's just getting enough people to, to see it. Yeah. Do you, do you like poetry by the way? I do. I, yeah. I have a disease called convergence disorder where my eyes don't work together and therefore I couldn't read growing up. Mm. I, I mean, I could read, but it would take me five minutes to get a line in versus somebody getting a whole page in five minutes or multiple pages. Mm. So I got, I had a really bad relationship with anything, words or reading or this right. or that, um, including reading music and any of that stuff. Right, right. And I'm finally getting to the point where I think I'm conquering the idea of it being debilitating mm. enough that I'm excited to see what comes of it, the poetry side, the yeah. reading, the... I mean, there's also audiobooks, you know? Yeah, but there's something about 
looking at the pages mm. and making notes yeah. and writing yourself that I think really ingrains it in your head in a way that makes it more personal. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with that. But for me, when I read poetry or like I listen to books, like I, I honestly have a really bad memory. I just remember the feeling of something. Mm. And then that feeling like I build on that, you yeah. know, and like I, I really like things that are kind of jarring in a lot of ways, like Charles Bukowski. I don't know if you know anything about Charles Bukowski. Bukowski. He's fucking crazy. He's like psychotic. But um, his literature is so interesting to me. It's just like, it's just interesting. You know, it's like, and, and yeah. I mean, then there's like Pablo Neruda, who's like the complete opposite of Bukowski. Mm. He's just like this really loving and like just talks about his romantic life in a way that's like, she is the woman from the sea and her skin is like, you know, just Very, so a lot beautiful. Of imagery. It's so beautiful. But um, yeah, I think poetry just shapes a lot of my music too. Send me some, please. Yeah, I'll, I'll send you some music. You send me some poetry. Yeah. yeah. Man, okay. this is so fun. We definitely got to do many, many more of these. I'd love to, man. So what, to end this up, what, what can we expect? What's next? Um, I am... Well, I finished my first, it's basically like an album EP, um, maybe like nine songs, and I'm in the process of releasing each song every month. But um, yeah, that should come out like maybe January. Crazy. Um, but yeah, I'll be releasing music every month. That's Just so about. Exciting. Yeah, I'm excited. You heard him, people. Go listen, <laughs> go, go share, go support. If this interview isn't enough to get you guys as hooked as, as I am, then nothing is. <laughs> Um, dude, I'm Much a huge love, fan. Bro. I love you. Love you too. Um, let's do let's do some more of these. Hell yeah, let's do it. I appreciate you. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you Cheers. for watching. Um, go support this man. You'll love him. I promise. Thank you guys, and to everybody out there. I'm Shades of Blue, and this is an experiment. Yeah, it is. Love you guys. Experience is the experiment. <laughs>